Welcome folks, one and all. How thoughtful of you to tune in to this, my fourth podcast of the Christian Patriot Hour. I'm absolutely delighted to have you drop by and give a listen to this old-time gospel believer in Jesus Christ. I'll be talking about more than just a few things. Very important matters of the heart they are, and so it is fitting I should say what I'm going to say about these things we shouldn't take too lightly as we walk through this old troubled world in the hastening pursuits of our earthly desires. I'll be drawing some parallels today, taking a closer look at similarities in the Bible of how America seems to be following a pathway that ancient Israel has long ago already tread, that to the irony of their detriment. The popular word for the internet today is trending. It is the barometer by which measures the interest of the populace about a certain topic, perhaps, at any given moment of the day. I want you to remember, though, and make no mistake, there are striking resemblances here in the prophetic realm of how things are unfolding in our nation as to how things were in Israel over 2,000 years ago. So if you're thinking the Bible is outdated, I would kindly say to you, you are quite wrong. And I'll be talking about the judgments of God again. And why? Well, because they are real and something we need to deal with here and now as individuals if we are to escape the wrath of God in the fearsome day of the Lord to come. And besides, I'll say it because there's an awful lot of Christian ministers and religious people who won't preach about anything except the love of God. Maybe they don't fully realize, of course, that if we don't understand the wrath of God, then perhaps we'll never fully understand the love of God. For the two go hand in hand at the cross of Jesus Christ. I realize old-fashioned hellfire and condemnation gospel preaching is nearly nearly leaning towards hate speech uh, today in its consideration, but that is the furthest thing from the truth. Let's talk about all this. Well now, I've already inclined my thoughts in recent broadcasts concerning the rapid moral decline of America and the deteriorating social conditions which are making inroads into people's lives everywhere. No one is immune from the problems we face in this country today. Bible teachers who do have a right understanding of the Word of God, though, have already known for quite some time and will tell you plainly, there is a famine in this land we call America. The old terminology would describe it as a dearth. Old Noah Webster would have defined that as a scarcity or a barrenness. No matter how you define it, though, it is a lack of something vital, whereas the people are in a great need of it, whether they realize it or not. A sterility, as it were, is another definition. And when you look about America, what with all the political correctness in recent years, with all the corruption going on in Washington, D.C., and the outright angriness of people in general, there's a mighty cold wind blowing and the clouds are getting awfully dark. Our culture has no feeling, for it has become sterile. It doesn't seem if we have the First Amendment right of the Constitution anymore. That is to say what we think and like what we say doing so freely without fear of reprisal, intimidation, or coercion. 
not when you have people on one side attacking people on the other side, telling folks they don't have the right to make judgments on people, and using the word hate as a cheap way to silence the opposition who opposes what the Bible says. Well, pardon me, but I think they're wrong. I think we do have a right to hold people up to the light of God's word and tell them what's right and what's wrong. We're not judging them per se. We're trying to warn them about what the word of God says. And that applies to each and every one of us. We all have that same old sickness called sin. And we all need the same remedy for that malady. A savior to save us from even ourselves. I was once going down the wrong pathway too. Thinking I was right when I was wrong. Thinking I'd get by and deal with God some other day pushing him out of my mind and closing the door to my heart. Thank God the Lord never gave up on me. Somebody had to tell me about Jesus Christ one day too, and then I had a decision to make, hadn't I? Same way as everyone needs to be told and then decide for themselves. And so I tell others, whether they think they want to hear it or not, and I'll keep doing it no matter how the winds of political and social climate change. I'm too old to be afraid and too afraid not to say something, for you see, I am accountable to God too. The love of God tells us to give heed to the lost and warn them of the day of calamity which is coming. For the Bible makes clear, God will indeed judge the sinful intentions of the heart and all the wrongful actions we do or have ever pursued. So now, this is the love of God then, friend, that we should care enough about people to tell them they're on the wrong pathway a road which leads to destruction, and yes, hell, absolutely. We need to tell folks that Jesus came to die for them, as well as for you and me. There is an enemy, an adversary, if you will, we all have, and we can't see him either just yet. But he who works hand in hand in the darkness of our selfish desires and our sinful will, in the secret places of our deepest thoughts, he wants to keep us firmly rooted in the darkness of his evil kingdom, That's right. Satan, that old devil, doesn't want you to know Jesus at all. He wants you to keep going on the way you're going so you never come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved in the Lord. On the other hand, Jesus said, The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. John 10, uh, verses 10 through 11. Now, I talked about famine in the land a moment ago. Did I now? But it's not a famine of bread nor water we need to fear. Rather, it is a dire famine we have going on here in America, a far-reaching and widespread famine of the Word of God. Whereas many younger people, and older people too, have little or no knowledge at all of what the Bible says, nor do they know who the God of all creation is. Neither do they seem to care any more. And worse yet, there are very few preachers willing to preach the whole counsel of God. Why is that so, do you think? Well, there are probably six ways to Sunday, as they say, in order to answer this dilemma properly. But I'll give you my opinion at no extra charge while we come together to reason things out in the next point.
First off, let's get a solid footing here before we try to build on a firm foundation. Let's take a look at the book of Amos, if you will. He was a minor prophet with a major message, a humble man of meager means. The Bible says Amos was a lowly herdsman and a dresser of the fruit of the sycamore tree, as it were, when God called him to great vision. The Lord chose this man specifically to pronounce judgment against his people Israel, for God had had, had about enough of their sinful ways and nonsensical notions of life. They had forgotten the God of their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But more, they had become a self-centered, idealistic people, neglecting the poor, forgetting their neighbor, ignoring the commandments of God, and living only for the day of their pleasure. Not a good thing to do. And so judgments did come to Israel, and eventually their nation was thrown down. Remember, they were under Roman control when Jesus Christ was born. And in 70 AD, Jerusalem was sacked and made desolate under the Roman leader Titus, the nation being dispersed into all the world until God began gathering his people again in May of 1948, when Israel indeed became a nation once more. The interesting thing is this, though. Not all of the prophecies of Amos have yet been fulfilled. Specifically, many Bible scholars concur that Amos, the eighth chapter, dealing with the famine of the word of God in the land is future tense and beginning to unfold even in our own day. Amos was a patriot, and I think that's why God used him, for he loved God and he loved his nation. And those are the two prerequisites needed to be a true patriot. And so we read in the book of Amos, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the word of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, yet they shall not find it. Amos, the eighth chapter, verses 11 through 12. It's never a good idea to hear the word of God and walk away, doing nothing. One never knows if they'll have another opportunity to, to come to Christ with receiving the salvation of our Lord. Remember, it is by the grace of God alone, I believe, we are saved. And salvation, we know, is solely of the Lord. There is nothing we can do ourselves to please God. There is no sacrifice we can offer. There is no work we may do. We come to, to the Lord because he chooses us and he woos us and he sees if our hearts are willing to receive him and believe his word. Then, trusting in Jesus Christ as our Savior by faith alone, then indeed we become saved. And we have a sure salvation, my friend. God does never waver in his promise. His foundation is built upon the rock who is Jesus Christ, the Lord God himself. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible means. Therefore we read, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians, the second chapter, verses 8 through 9. Now I'm going to digress just a little bit here, and that is because I want to tell you a little story about something strangely peculiar, a rather unsettling experience I happened upon about a week ago or so while I was home sitting under an old locust tree. It was in the morning, bright and fair, midweek, I was up early and having my morning coffee when I noticed this little creature. 
a tiny little sparrow resting almost lifeless on my gravel driveway. I walked over to inspect the little bird to find him almost lifeless, and and no careful prodding would encourage him to fly or move. It was strange, I thought, that baby birds, as this little friend, should be born so late in summer, in mid-August. How unusual, for springtime is when most of God's creatures come to life so they can find strength in due time for the coming winter. I prayed, and I said, Lord, why are you showing me this little bird suffering so? And with that, the little bird spread its tiny wings, tried to fly, and suddenly collapsed lifeless before me. My wife and I buried, of course, under a crabapple tree nearby. But the most strangest thing is this event was repeated not even three days later, when a baby chickadee in our yard met the same fate, trying to fly but couldn't, its neck obviously injured in a fall from the safety of its nest. Probably both birds had fallen during a recent thunderstorm. The saddest thing, perhaps, was seeing the mother sparrow keep returning to the very spot her little baby had lain. I had to tell her while she came within five feet of me her little offspring had died. I saw her no more. We wrapped the body of the little chickadee, same as the sparrow, in a paper shroud, burying him next to his little friend. I wept, and then I remembered the word of the Lord. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. Now you think about this verse for a moment, while I will be making preparation for my final points in the last segment. All right, so you may be asking, what's the fuss? What's the significance of a little sparrow or a little chickadee that falls to the ground and dies? What are you thinking, Henry Thomas, what with all the suffering going on around the world, with wars and hatreds and people striving with each other, not getting along with our neighbors or caring for the poor and needy? And think of all the little babies and boys and girls who are dying in their mother's wombs at the hand of so-called medical servants. Are not people much more important than a bird, you would say? And I would say you are absolutely right. But then I would tell you, you probably don't quite think like God thinks. I would say a very few people do. What do you mean, you might ask? And again, I would take you back to the word of God to see what the Lord thinks about all this trouble down here and what he thinks about birds and people and all of creation and everything he created. Jesus said, are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father knowing, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are more value than many sparrows. Matthew, the 10th chapter, 29 through 31st verse. So you see, Jesus does care for everything he has created, especially people, for we are created in the image of God, and we will bear his image for all eternity when we are changed into the glorious likeness of Jesus Christ. Now, that has to do with resurrection, of course, and I don't have time to get into that now. I don't know about God resurrecting our pets or these poor little creatures that came to me in their need. 
I am inclined to think he will withhold no good thing from us that we ask. And so I told the Lord that day, I would expect him not only to dry every tear, but to resurrect every good thing to life again. He's just that marvelous. There you have it. Well, goodbye now, folks. God love you in the meantime and bless you and keep you in his good care. Summer is nearly over and fall is not far behind. Look for my next podcast when the winds of October begin to blow. Remember the cross is our victory and Christ is our victor. Wherewithal no man can stand against the day of the Lord. My book is Americans We Were. It is available at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Thank you for listening. Till we meet again, I am Henry Thomas Weber.